0: Welcome to the Parlay Podcast, a thought provoking and entertaining podcast that breaks down the pathology of speech, language, and other processes that affect the way we communicate on a daily basis. Professor of Speech and Language Pathology, Chantal Mayer Crittenden, hosts a bevy of guests who help her explore and explain the diverse landscape of speech, language, and their relationship with the brain.
1: or Happy Communication Month of May. This is Chantal, Mayor Crittenden, your host. If you can hear a little bit of uh, background noise, that's because I'm in a vehicle um, and I I really wanted to get this episode out, the Happy Stories episode that I have been talking about for the last uh, month or two. And my happy moment right now is that we are on our way to pick up a little puppy, an Australian Shepherd dog. So we're pretty pumped about that. And while we're driving, it's about two hours away, I am compiling all of the happy stories and putting them uh, in this episode. So I'm thrilled to be releasing this episode finally. I had a pretty good response from the viewers in French and in English. This, of course, will only have the English stories. Please follow on uh, Instagram, the Parley Podcast. Uh, If you can, subscribe to the iTunes podcast or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you use to listen to the podcast. Uh, Please subscribe, like. It really helps us podcasters. To, to build our network and to get recognized so thanks so much for listening thank you for sending the stories shout out to all the speech and language pathologists and um, other professionals who have sent their stories so let's listen to the first story by Becky MacArthur and I also actually before we move to it I wanted to add that we did get uh, quite a few responses from Canada uh, the United States as well so I was pretty happy about that so let's take a listen to what Becky has to say
2: My name is Becky MacArthur and I'm a speech and language pathologist and owner of We Communicate, a private practice that services the Norfolk County area in Ontario. My happy story is starting to offer and move forward with telepractice services for my clients. Many of my clients were ready and willing to get on board with telepractice so that their children can continue to see progress in their communication skills. But I also pivoted to be able to offer free 15 minute video consultations for either my current clients or potential new clients to allow them to meet me and see me through video and also to see what um, therapy through a video platform might look like and feel like. So I offer those free to be booked through my website. And that has been something that's helped my business continue to service clientele, but also help my clientele feel more comfortable with moving into this new area of telepractice. It's all new for so many of us and anything we can do to all feel more comfortable helps support everybody. My communication tip is to not be alone and to listen to your clients. It's so important right now. I think so many of us are feeling unsure and wary of certain things. So as a speech-language pathologist, make sure that you're listening to your families. It may not always feel overly productive towards their goals, but supporting that family helps them continue to work towards their goals. Hope you're all doing well and have a great day.
3: Hi, everybody. My name is Carol. I am originally from Uganda, but I currently live and work in New York City. I'm a speech and language therapist in my clinical fellowship year. I work at an early intervention center, so babies zero to three years old. I see all of the babies uh, at the center. And up until, of course, all of this craziness happened. So the center's closed now. Um, so here goes my happy story. My happy story happened at the beginning of a session with one of my two year olds. So this is a two year old who was working on eye contact, joint attention, pointing to request, um, imitating sounds, all of those sort of precursory pre-linguistic communication skills, right? So I'm walking with him to the therapy room and usually everything is so fast-paced, like you walk really fast to the room, then take another baby because the session's are only 30 minutes. But on this day, I kind of tried to slow down. I was like, you know, I just kind of want to savor this walk. And I noticed that the baby was looking at an exit sign. So I kind of stopped right in front of the exit sign and I pointed to the letters and started Spelling them, so I said E X I T, and this baby immediately looked at me. His face lit up, and he just looked at me, and he looked back at the sign. He was smiling really hard, so eye contact and joint attention. And then he repeated E. I got so much in that just just that small moment. And then he turns and looks at a different exit sign. And I was like, oh, my goodness, does this baby know where all the exit signs in this building are? Like, I don't even know where the exit signs are. Um, I'm not sure if he actually did or if it was just like a coincidence. But that was a really beautiful moment for me to know that, you know, therapy doesn't always have to happen in the therapy room with all these toys and all that prompting. It can just happen in the small moments. So that being said, here goes my tip. I have two tips. I'm going to make them very short. Um, So my first tip is going off of the happy story. My first tip is to take some time just um, being mindful in during a therapy session to observe what the child is doing when you're not prompting them. I guess that would be considered like evaluation or screening, but um, sometimes we kind of forget when we get caught up in therapy and you don't observe. But like, let's say if the child is playing with toys, just backing off for like a good minute or two and watching how they play. Sometimes you, you know, sometimes you can find like um, very useful information that um, that could get you somewhere. Uh, so that's my little nugget for therapy: is being mindful. And then I have a tip for teletherapy, which is something I've been doing that has helped me. During my first sessions with a parent, um, I usually kind of, I'm honest with them about my lack of knowledge. So I tell them, I'm like, so this is new to me as much as it's new to you. I know with all the craziness that's happening and I'm so excited to work with you um, and figure out this teletherapy thing. So it's kind of like, I I've found that it helps to ease the tension and it also kind of builds a connection with the parent because you're saying you know we're in this together and with everything that's happening because this really is something that's happening to everyone in different ways and it's sort of like us trying to deal with an emergency situation so I have found that instead of pretending like oh yes you know I'm I know everything because I'm the therapist and exactly what we're going to do this session like the first session I usually tell them like this is a learning curve for both of us and I'm excited to work with you and I make it positive positive. and then yeah and I'm still prepared and I still do all those things but it's nice to kind of uh, break the ice like that thanks everyone thank you so much to whoever started this this is so beautiful such a beautiful idea
1: Thank you, Carol, for that great story. I couldn't agree more. I think sometimes just being upfront about where we were we are at in our journey and letting the parents know that we're all learning and that we, we kind of rely on them as well to help us through this craziness and the telepractice that we're kind of growing accustomed to now. So let's take a listen to the next story.
4: Hello, my name is Corinne Agnew. Soon to be Corinne Castellan and I am a speech-language pathologist in San Diego, California. I'm going to share a story about a 19-year-old student I had the pleasure of working with while completing my graduate school internship at a non-public school. So prior to being a full-fledged SLP, but his story has always stuck with me through the years. This young man had so much to say, a total jokester and cerebral palsy. Which made him essentially nonverbal, but he still had many ways to get his point across. When I met him, he was using an iPad with a popular communication app, and his access, access method was switch scanning. The switch was attached to his tray in an interesting configuration, and it was extremely laborious for him to spell out or navigate to simple words, to say the least. For instance, spelling out his five-letter name took an average of 1 minute and 14 seconds. And he had a goal to type out full sentences on his device, which he was reluctant to do, and can you blame him? (laughs) The other way to concretely communicate was to go through the alphabet and wait for him to shake his head indicating you reached the correct letter which took a great deal of time as well, and could be frustrating for both parties, as you can imagine. During my internship, we began trialing an Accent 1000 Eye Gaze System. If you are familiar with Minspeak, you know exactly what I mean when I say the symbols are metaphoric. As we trialed this device, we went symbol by symbol, learning them together. This student and I spent a great deal of time together. I want to add that during lunch, the SLPs fed students from their caseload. So as an intern, I was assigned to do the same. Well, Friday was my favorite day because I got to chat it up with this young man. I spoke to him like a friend, we laughed, we really seemed to get each other. And I think he appreciated that I spoke to him like a young adult since at the time we were practically the same age. Okay, so back to the device trialing. Remember I said it took him over one minute just to spell his name? With the eye gaze system, it now took him an average of 14 seconds. His eyes flew through those keys much better than mine ever could, and I tried. It was like his whole world opened up. I saw the spark, he was a chatterbox. I knew this device would be life-changing for him. What an indescribable feeling. Years later, a Facebook notification pops up. I see a familiar face, so I click the link to hear his speech, a speech he was giving to an audience at an accessibility convention. My heart melted. I literally cried. His story speaks to accessibility never giving up and as a clinician trying new things. With that said, the communication tip I want to leave you with is to always presume competence. Just because a person is nonverbal does really we still have no idea what is going on inside their head and what they are capable of if given the tools, teaching and time.
1: Wow, such an inspiring story. After I heard Corinne's story, I reached out to her, replied to her her story, her email, and asked if this speech was available publicly and lo and behold I found out that it was it is available on YouTube so I will have you listen to an excerpt of this uh, the speech and I will provide the complete link to the YouTube video on the show notes of this podcast that can be found at parleypodcast.com. so let's listen to this amazing speech that was produced using a um, augmentative communication
0: device Dylan Dachowski. I would like to thank everyone for being here this evening to explore this wonderful exhibit. I would also like to thank Sarah for inviting me to say a few words about my device and how it has impacted my life. My communication device is so important to me. It is my voice. Without it, it is very hard to communicate basic wants and needs. It is amazing to me just how far technology has come. When I was little, my parents and teachers had to guess what I was trying to say. Even though I was good at spelling, it was a long process to get even the smallest point across and to let people know what I wanted or needed. It became very frustrating at times. I had so much to say with no way of saying it. My family and teachers would go through the alphabet and would stop when I shook my hand yes when they got to the letter of the word I was spelling. This sometimes took a long time and we would both get frustrated. All of this changed when I was 9 years old and got my first device which was the Dynavox. This was so amazing to me and so many more opportunities for communication opened up for me. I have had a few different devices over the years. I have had a Dynavox, an iPad, and now the Accent 1000 Eye Gaze. I have finally found the perfect device for me.
1: Isn't that just amazing? I love how he he talks about how he's now able to express himself. He now has a voice. So kudos to the speech and language pathologists who have worked with him throughout the years. Technology has come such a long way. It is way easier now to help uh, people who don't have a voice communicate using iPads and, and other tablets and devices. So let's keep listening. I love these happy stories. I'm sitting here in the vehicle driving to get my puppy with a smile on my face, and that is exactly what I wanted from these happy stories. So let's keep on listening.
5: Hi there, my name is Sarah Zibray-Pichet, and I live in Blind River, Ontario, a really small little town off Highway 17, and I am a speech-language pathologist. Um, With all of this COVID-19 stuff going on, I figured I would give a success story or something that I felt made me feel really good in hopes that it might make some of you feel good too. Um, I've only been practicing for about a year and a half, so one of my first clients was a pretty severe motor speech kiddo, and I had never worked um, with a child with motor speech differences. During my placements, it was usually, you know, the phonological stuff or the Arctic stuff. But anyways, um, I would say that when I first met this little boy, he was sweet as pie, still is, but he was um, very quiet. Um, Anytime I'd come into the classroom, he was drawing or coloring by himself and didn't really engage with his peers too much. So I always had that in the back of my mind to kind of monitor his social um, kind of skills and his progress in the classroom. But so anyways, I had been working with him for roughly now, yeah, a year and a half. So I've completed about two blocks with him and they were weekly blocks. Um, But anyways, I don't know if anyone here knows, but with motor speech clients, a lot of the times the gains are really slow. So we had been working on jaw control and lip and facial control and tongue control and stuff like that and it's really hard to kind of notice those little gains that you make throughout but one day I was I popped in the classroom because I was going to pick up another client and I could hear him playing with another peer and I heard what he was saying clear as day and he was interacting and having fun and he wasn't even thinking oh my gosh I wonder if my friends are understanding what I'm saying Um, I think I heard him say, no, um, go up or something like that. And I had to brace myself. I had to leave the classroom for a quick second because I was like overwhelmed, um, with how proud I was of him and just like, wow, like we've made some significant gains, but it's really hard to be mindful of that when you're kind of doing really slow, wonderful progress, but it's slow, um, so, yeah, that I will take with me um, probably for the rest of my career. Um, so, yeah, if I could give a tip to any type of therapist or any teacher or anyone working um, alongside someone else and you're, you're trying to reach goals um, is to kind of take a moment sometimes to look back and, and note the progress you've made. It could be a ton of little steps that equal out to one big step so we just have to take the time to look back and kind of take in all the hard work that we've done and kind of give ourselves and our client mostly a tap on the back and say wow like you're doing awesome so yeah during these challenging times where a lot of our jobs have been um, changed and we're working in a whole new different way just take the time to like Give yourself a compliment of, you know, like, I knew nothing about this three weeks ago, but now I'm kind of trucking along and I'm doing okay. So, yeah, that's my little tidbit for today. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah, for that great story. Yes, we have to celebrate those small successes. Uh, They may seem small, but sometimes they're actually... Uh, quite huge for the individual and I guess um, Sarah was my student a few years ago and one of my happy stories is seeing my students become speech and language pathologists bumping into them at conferences they're they're kind of like our our kids sometimes we uh, at Laurentian University we have an undergraduate program for four years and then the master's program for two years and so sometimes we're with them for six years and so seeing them become uh, speech and language pathologists Helping other people communicate is a definite happy story for me. So let's listen to some more happy stories.
6: Hi, my name is Speech Simplified. I live in Seattle, Washington in the U.S. I am a speech therapist, and my happy story took place in my therapy session. I recently found out about an app called Video Touch. Video Touch is an app which allows a child to touch the screen and a realistic video of the object touch is displayed on the screen. Video Touch has jungle animals, sea animals, birds, vehicles, farm animals, insects and bugs, and even musical instruments. You can choose to purchase each animal or each section individually, or you can choose to buy them all in a bundle. As a speech therapist working on developing language in young children, I am always looking for new and motivating activities. This app was just that, especially with social distancing in place. I had a session with a client who typically would not sit through a full 30-minute session. However, this app kept them motivated enough to remain seated, request items, demonstrate key pre-linguistic skills such as joint attention and eye contact. It was the perfect Monday win, and I use this app for the rest of the week with most of my kids.
1: So now that we've listened to a few uh, happy stories, I have another uh, recording that was recorded with me. Um, So Desiree Rush is a speech and language pathologist, and she will share a little bit about herself and, of course, a happy story. Hi, Desiree.
7: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm great, thank you. So maybe before we get into your happy story, tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, um, the type of work that you do.
7: Sure, my name's Desiree Rush, and I'm a speech pathologist. I live in Ohio currently outside of the Cincinnati area. I'm originally from New Jersey, but I landed here about fourteen years ago I've been a speech pathologist for twenty years now, <laughs> although it doesn't feel that long it has been <laughs> and um, I currently work in the school systems I've worked in different settings though as well I've had private practice and um, worked in contracting as well, but currently I'm in the school systems and I'm I still love my job 20 years later. (laughs)
1: I know. It's uh, 20 years since I started my master's. So I'm 18 years as a speech and language pathologist. And whenever I tell that to my students, I cringe. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how, how is that possible? I'm now one of those seasoned clinicians, right?
4: I know.
7: I, I question <laughs> to them, how did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> now I have you know graduate students I mentor and I think, gosh, you actually really could be my child. How did this happen? <laughs>
1: yeah. And that's the one thing about working. I'm a university professor and I keep getting older, but my students are always the same age. So the gap is widening, but that's okay. You know, part yeah. <laughs> of life. Okay. So, um, maybe tell us a little bit about some of your success stories with, uh, the, the kiddos that you've worked with.
7: Okay. Well, I feel like honestly, we find success every single day. Uh, it just depends on what is we find successful, I think, is all relative to to what we're going through, what our kids are going through. Um, A success could be that a child looks at you and recognizes you and runs over to you and gives you a hug when you haven't gotten any um, reciprocal reaction. Or it could be that they are, quote unquote, graduating speech and they've mastered all their goals. I feel like there's such a continuum in there. But uh, sometimes those successes that you feel like may be sound to others may not sound to be as significant or greatest successes mm-hmm. that, you know, even greater than those who others would recognize that are outside of our field. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's just that, that the way they look at you, like you said, or when they, they have that aha moment, but only you two kind of know about it for sure. Right.
7: Right. And I feel like honestly, my greatest successes that I feel tend to be related to the relationship you form with that child or with that family. I think the stronger the relationship you form with whoever you're working with and um, and their families as well, I feel like you have more successes and they just seem a little bit more sweet too. So I think that I don't, I'm a big, Proponent on developing a relationship and rapport above all else before even worrying about the goals per se, because I feel like you're s- so much more successful um, in achieving those goals when everyone is on board. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I think that um, when I've worked with kids and, and parents have observed, I used to get the comment, you know, what what exactly are you doing? It kind of looks like you're just playing with my child. So, right. but you know, it, we know that is, that is so important to really get that good rapport and to establish that relationship. And while we're playing, we're working on speech and language and we're doing so much more than what it looks like to the naked eye.
7: Exactly. And I think those are important conversations to have, too, with um, with the parents, too, because I think sometimes they think, all right, I'm going to bring myself, uh, bring my child to this professional who's going to help and. Well, yes, we have expertise and have gone through a lot of training to do what we do. There are a lot of elements. In fact, I feel like the majority of elements of what we do with their child, they can also do at home. And so I think by helping them realize that it's not this enigma is what we do. It empowers them to be able to help their child as well. Obviously, they need the guidance and um, your professional judgment on how to do that. But being able to execute that in home and outside of that actual therapeutic setting, it's what's going to be the largest key to their success. So breaking down those walls um, and making them realize that, hey, oh wait, I can do this too, I think is just as empowering.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: Absolutely.
1: Do you have you know one in particular uh, that you'd like to share with us, one story that kind of stands out?
7: Uh, well, one of my, one of my favorites, I guess, um, revolves around a student that I had years ago. Um, I had Kelsey as her name, Kelsey Morfitt. I can give her a little shout out. I can say her name now. Um, you'll understand why through the story, but, um, I had Kelsey when I was in a school in New Jersey and Kelsey was working on her R's and, uh, you know, I, as we, Get a lot of those in speech. They're not all what we get, but we do get our fair share. And so Kelsey was then graduating from speech. We had a graduation party for her in fourth grade and she had, you know, achieved her goals. And coincidentally, her graduation party was also in line with when I was moving from New Jersey to Ohio. And so uh, being the sweet little soul she is, she had painted me a picture on a little canvas. It has a little mountain range in the background, a little horse. And and I said, oh, I'm so excited about this. I would love for you to sign it so I can remember from when you're famous someday. And she kind of chuckled at me, and she wrote her name, Kelsey, on it. And I told her, I said, "This will, I will always hang this in whatever um, room or location I'm in, just to, I'll, I'll always think of you, I'll always remember you, look at all of the successes that you've had and how much you've achieved." Um, and so I did. I kept true of that promise. I tend to keep things around whichever space I'm in, whether it's a room or closet or, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) thankfully I'm blessed to have a, um, half a classroom right now. And I kind of surround myself with these little happy little mementos for me, but I've always hung it up. And, um, my, and what's nice is that Kelsey, well, it's nice to just have the memory of her, obviously, but, um, Kelsey then has now, um, wound up pursuing a a career in speech pathology that, I think she was motivated by her own successes, and um, she actually went to the same school I went to as an undergraduate as well in New wow. Jersey, and then just completed her master's program, so now she's a speech pathologist too, and what makes that painting even more sweet is when I have students or kids, and they're kind of down on themselves, or like, I you don't know if I can do this, or... They, you know, you ask them what they want to be someday and tell them, well, you can be a speech pathologist. They look at you like, can I? They don't know because I'm, you know, in speech now. If I'm having trouble with this, can I do that? And I have her painting. I will point to it and say, see that painting right over there? Well, that, you know, and I'll tell the story of Kelsey who was in speech and painted that for me and how she now is a speech pathologist too. And it's well within their reach. And it's always such a joy to see the their look on their faces as they kind of perk up and think, Hey, you know, they kind of shatter some glass ceilings there for them Mm -hmm. that um, they're not. Kelsey can do it. They can do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, and it's been fun for me, thankfully through the internet and social media. And we had exchanged cards for a while too, but it's nice for me to be able to see that full cycle Mm -hmm. um, and see Kelsey doing such an awesome job too. And being able to see that is really it's really nice to see. While it's still shocking to me, because I think of her as a little fourth grade girl eating her cookie in a graduation yes. party, <laughs> it's still um, a really a nice thing to see that it's come full circle mm-hmm.
1: and that you've had an impact in her yeah. life. Obviously,
7: yeah. Well, well, and what's more powerful for me is that that impact then just grows exponentially because now Kelsey is going to impact so many other people.
1: Mm-hmm. So. She's paying it forward.
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and all Kelsey. the credit goes to her. She did all the work to yes. get there, but I just get to enjoy watching her along the way.
1: Yeah, and uh, Kelsey, if you're listening, congratulations and welcome <laughs> to the world of speech and language pathology. It's an amazing field to work in. Uh, it is so diverse and we we can help so many people from, you know, s- babies to uh, 100 years old kind of thing, so...
7: Exactly. Well, thank you
1: so much, Desiree, for sharing that very uh, happy success story with me. Um, And I'm sure that the listeners appreciate it as well. Now, if uh, listeners want to know a little bit more about yourself and and what you do and the materials that you have, where can they find all of this?
7: Sure. Uh, You can find me anywhere on social media at SLP Talk um, or uh, my blog is SLP Talk with Desiree. Um, I started kind of reaching out through the internet, um, back in 2001, I graduated in 2000 with my master's and in 2001, I started a list services back before Facebook even existed. Yep. Mark Zuckerberg is probably sitting in a middle school classroom somewhere, <laughs> but, um, uh, just to help reach out to support other SLPs. Cause I think like, That sometimes Mm -hmm. we wind up on these isolated islands, and I think that just we're always better when we work together because Mm -hmm. we all come together and have such great ideas. So I just like being part of that community. So that's my main goal, but Mm -hmm. I am on, you know, now that the world has evolved, (laughs) and uh, I'm still, um, I'm on then Instagram and Facebook and all that under SLP talk. So, and I enjoy getting to talk with everyone. So, yeah. And that's how we met. So <laughs> yes, yes.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, uh, I will let you get back to your busy work and thanks again for sharing your wonderful
7: story. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs>
1: All right, so we've heard a few stories from some of our listeners. I had the pleasure of interviewing Alyssa Gibson uh, in person, add air quotations there via Zoom, to uh, talk to her about some of her special funny stories. So... um, I I had the pleasure of meeting Alyssa via the Special Needs Siblings Instagram page. So if you haven't had a chance to check out this page, please do so. There are so many nice stories on there. Again, it's Special Needs Siblings. And as you can guess from the title, uh, most of the stories are from people who have siblings with special needs. And so um, uh, Alyssa's big sister, Kayla, has special needs. So hi, Alyssa. Hi. All right. So maybe tell us where you're from and then uh, maybe a little bit about uh, your profession, what you do, and then uh, we'll talk about your sister.
8: So I live in Maryland in the United States. Um, I have an older sister with intellectual disability, as well as being on the autism spectrum. And then because of her, I actually work at the school she graduated at. So I get to work with, um, other children with special needs and I work in a classroom specifically with children with autism who have, um, they're entirely, they're nonverbal, but they communicate through their iPads. Um, we try to work on sign language. So I definitely have some pretty funny stories about my sister communicating. She was nonverbal until she was five. Okay. And then, um, her first words, and it was a full sentence, um, (laughs) We, my mom and I were just hoping that, you know, she would communicate a lot of the time she would grunt and point at things. And then one day we were at a party and we were at a birthday party and she said, I want that cake. Wow. We were all like, what? (laughs) And, um, since then she has been doing great, uh, communication
1: wise. And, um, how old is she now? So she's 23. Okay. You know, and that's pretty impressive, right? Because when we think about it, children typically say their first words around 10, 11, 12 months of age. And so she was nonverbal for five years and then just blurted out that she wanted in a cake. Out
8: sentence. <laughs> we were all just shocked. Um, she has impressed us so much. She, um, she still communicates a little bit differently. So we do try to still use sign occasionally in conversation, but, um, and she does not have, like, full-blown conversations with us, but she definitely can express her wants and needs mm-hmm. and things where she does shock us randomly about the most random things. Like, one time um, we were, we ran out of toilet paper, I think, and she was in the bathroom, and she shouted out. out of, we've never heard her say any of this before, and she's like, I can't believe this. This is just
1: so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's funny how a lot of people who have some difficulties with communication will come up with these chunks of sentences that are they've heard us say, right? Oh yeah. In their environment. It, hilarious.
8: And then last week, um another funny story was we were we've been stuck in the house for um over a month now. And she's like coloring and she's been coloring every day. It's the same thing over and over again. And she looks up at me and she goes,
1: I am so sick of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aren't we all? <laughs> I know. <Thank> you, girl. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about being a paraeducator and working with kids who have autism. And before we hit record, you were telling me about how you have a few funny stories about those kids. So do you mind sharing some of those as well? Yeah.
8: So, um Uh, My kids are very young still, so they're between six and eight. So we've just introduced these communication devices, such as GoTalk and LAMP. So we're still working on it. Um, I have one student who has gotten it down pretty well. Um, She uses it for, like, requesting things. So one day she wanted a drink. So we're like, okay. Um, We went to go give her water. She looks up at me and goes, drink beer. Oh. (laughs) On her lamp device. And then she will look at me and go, wine. And I'm like, where? where are you getting this from? And she'll look up and just keep hitting it. And I'll hand her the cup and she will push it out of the way and hit wine.
1: <laughs> you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm sure she's hearing those words. <laughs> and I was like, me too, girl. We all need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I have
8: another student who uses LAMP as well. And Um, whenever it's time to work, or if a new person comes into the room, like if he knows that the SLP is coming into the room to work with him, he'll look right up at her and go, finished, bye.
1: (laughs) Now, could you maybe just tell, some of the listeners may not be familiar with LAMP. What is it exactly? So um, this is my first year working with LAMP, so I'm still, it's a lot, but
8: Mm -hmm. um, it is almost a, it's a device and it's an app. Either you can get like the older version, which has um, it's just an actual device or you can download the app through okay. a. T- and um, it has a lot of different sections. The verbiage is a little different and the, so it's more picture symbols and then you hit the icon and it'll speak um, if you want ice cream. you can go to the food section and hit ice cream. And we've been working on that device with our students. Um, We're all kind of learning on it because it's a two-prompt device, so it's a little more difficult for some of our students hitting two different prompts instead of correctly looking at a picture and being like, okay, this is what I want. You actually have to navigate through the system, but um, it's great. I mean, it has everything, I mean, it's programmed with pretty much everything in it, Uh but we can can take things out if, you know, it's a little too difficult for the child to navigate, as well as we've been able to add, like, a picture of a child's grandmother, Mm -hmm. and they can, find that um so I'm still working on it I'm trying I've been doing my research being stuck at home I've been practicing with like a picture of lamp just to navigate through it so I can be yeah. able to that um but lamp is great I mean my students have done really well with it and they it's
1: probably the best form of communication in my classroom with my students okay well that's great yeah. um thank you so much for sharing these happy stories. I think that sometimes we will not sometimes oftentimes we take communication for granted because we don't even have to think about it. We just blurt out whatever we're thinking of. And so many people don't have the luxury of just exactly. saying what they're thinking. So, uh, thanks so much, Alyssa. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day oh, and, cool. um, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, to keep uh, connecting via Instagram. And, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> uh, I look forward to, to seeing more stories on the special needs siblings, uh, Instagram page yeah. as well. Awesome. All right. Thanks. You're welcome.
9: Hello, my name is Steven Neese. I am from Aiken, South Carolina, USA. I'm a certified speech language pathologist and musician, My happy story is about how I figured out how to put two of my passions together, speech-language pathology and music. From a young age, I began playing multiple instruments and singing. Music has always been an interest for me. In my undergraduate work, I studied media arts with a concentration in audio design and music prior to going to graduate school for speech-language pathology. After graduating, I started working in a public school I worked specifically with students with communication difficulties. From day one, I was utilizing music as a speech therapy tool. I would take my guitar in and play songs that I wrote, targeting language and articulation skills. I did this for many years before actually recording any of the songs. At the beginning of the 2018-19 school year, I started recording these speech therapy songs and creating videos to go along with them. At that point, Speech and Language Songs was born. The purpose of these songs and videos was to be able to share my music when I wasn't around. These were specifically for the classrooms I pushed into and the parents of the students that I served. But to my surprise, many others started to use my videos as well. Seeing that there was a need and want for this type of thing, I've been motivated to continue to create songs and videos ever since. So I feel very fortunate that I'm able to do something that I love while creating something that is useful to the world. That is my happy story. As far as my communication tip, if you work with any children with communication difficulties, check out my website, speechandlanguagesongs.com, for tons of free songs and videos. You can also find these songs on YouTube. Uh, so you can also find Speech and Language Songs on Instagram, facebook and twitter thanks
1: thank you very much Stephen, for that and Stephen has given me permission to share one of his uh, speech songs on the podcast here so i did go to uh, speech and language songs on youtube and found a phonics song and i felt that in the middle of these reading wars that it'd be important to promote some of these early decoding skills phonics so take a listen to this fantastic uh, speech and language song that I was able to find on YouTube. podcast i was saying that we are we were driving to get our new puppy Uh, we have gotten the puppy and it's such a joy to have him as a member of our family and you'll be able to find a picture of him on the show notes of this podcast let's listen to the last story before we conclude this episode And now I'm very happy to uh, introduce Cassie. We're going to hear about her experience uh, during these kind of unprecedented times and how she found success in um, this new learning curve that we're all having to learn. So hi, Cassie. Hi. Um, How are you? Good. Thank you. How are you? I'm hanging in there. (laughs) Exactly. Aren't we all? So maybe you can start by telling us uh, a little bit more about yourself, where you are, Okay, great. yeah, I'm um,
10: right outside Chicago. I'm in the western suburbs. So I, li- I work in um, a small smaller suburban district. Um, but I've been a speech pathologist for, oh boy, about 23 years now. and um, always in the schools I've had some private practice on the side. Um, I typically do usually see a few private clients. On the side as well, um, I've taught at um, San Francisco State. I got my master at San Francisco State University, and I, after I graduated, I um, I taught a few of the graduate clinical seminars, just supervising grad students in that capacity. Um, but you know, my my one true love really is working in the schools. Um, ever since I did my student teaching in nineteen. 19- uh, 96, (laughs) uh, fell in love with the schools. You know, I just see so much, uh, growth with the kids. Um, they're always so positive. Um, you know, no matter what, when you work with kids, you know, you're going to smile because children just have this beautiful spirit and innocence and, um, just love working with kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I've, I feel the same way. I've kind of, I'm from a smaller community in Northern Ontario, Canada, and you kind of become a jack of all trades as a clinician. And so I've had to work with, you know, very young kids, school-age kids, and then older adults. And uh, I, I really do like what I get from working with the kiddos and and just their excitement, even when you go get them in the classroom. It's like you're, <laughs> you know, you're the most interesting person at that moment and they really are looking forward to coming into their session with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, when the,
10: you know, I'm in Illinois and so we announced sort of our, our schools were closing as of March 16th. So I've been doing this um, about a month and a half now. And, um, you know, of course there was a brief, you know, intense period of mourning and loss and grief and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I'm, I like technology as well, and um, I took this to be a, a nice challenge for me to learn how to do teletherapy. I've been interested in in learning how to do teletherapy for a while, and just didn't have the time. So I, you know, I think that's the gift of this. We're all kind of thrown into mm-hmm. um, just learning how to use the technology and trying to engage our students and clients as best we can. Yeah. Um, so I really tried to set up my, um, direct therapy sessions as soon as I could. And I pretty much started that right the first week. And some of my colleagues were questioning me like, wow, you're, you're crazy. You know, you're, you don't have to see them directly. You can just send worksheets and things like that. But, um, for me, I think that was, um, just something that was going to keep my spirits up is seeing Mm -hmm. my students face-to-face.
1: Yeah. And I like how you say that, you know, keep your spirits up. Sometimes you, we, we need that. We're so used to that daily contact with our clients uh, that not having that at all is is worse than trying to figure out <laughs> a whole new way of delivering our services. So what, what positives can you share with us about telepractice, teletherapy?
10: Oh, I mean, there's definitely positives every day. Um, I think when big challenge for me was how to see multiple students at a time Mm -hmm. so you know I think you know I did start off just kind of seeing one-on-one but in my job I teach at a I work at an elementary school and I teach listening skills to entire grade levels. so I'll teach it all of first grade so there's um, two sections of first grade and then three sections of second grade so I'm doing about two and a half hours a week of um, whole class instruction which I think is really a special thing about my my job and um the curriculum that I've created. So I really didn't want to let that go. Um, of course, I couldn't teach an entire grade. So I kind of hand selected six of my um, first graders that have, um, you know, either a speech IEP or some sort of IEP, or you know, I see them on an RTI basis mm-hmm. for speech and language. So I um I set up a, a listening skills lesson with six students. Um, and now it's grown to seven. So, um, it's just really, so what I do is I send a a picture for the kids to color and they have to follow my directions to color the picture. And then I call on each one at a time to kind of repeat back the direction, what they did. And then Mm -hmm. I'll show up their work at the end to make sure that they, everyone's listening. Um, it's, and you know, just having that routine that I started earlier in the year, was really nice because then now they're successful they know that routine during the listening skills lesson right uh, so they were really they jumped right in and and honestly you know they did about as well as they do in the class and their parents are able to be there too to to see how important it is to work on that, those auditory skills for the kids and not just staring at screens all day
1: mm-hmm, so, absolutely And also I find, um, I'm finding with my own kids who are having to learn from home, as a parent, you do get to get a better appreciation of what they're working on when you're not there and you understand a little bit more of why they're bringing home certain worksheets and whatnot. So there is that advantage to working with kids in their home when the parents are are in the foreground, so for sure.
10: Yeah, that's been uh, definitely, you know, I think at first... Um, you know, people are anxious. If parents are there, and one teacher said, "You know, they're going to know all of our tricks." You know, tricks of the trade. But I think that's, you know, I think we're kind of getting to this new level of transparency that I that I really like. You know, and I can, I can kind of teach the parents as I'm teaching the kids. So that's been really a positive as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing this happy episode. I think everybody can deserve a little bit or. or, or can use a little bit more, um, positive stories on, especially in these difficult times. So thank you very much. And, um, I will post in the show notes at the parleypodcast.com, your uh, Instagram link, if anybody wants to follow some of the, uh, amazing stuff that you're posting. So we'll be sure to add that.
10: Well, thank you so much. It was
1: so nice to talk to you. All right. Likewise. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much. This concludes this happy episode. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I think that it's important to celebrate our successes, and it's also important to share them with the general public, educators, parents, other healthcare professionals. A lot of people don't really understand what we do as a profession, and so uh, why not share our stories during May month. So maybe it's something I'll repeat next year. So please feel free to share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, uh, anyone who might appreciate it as much as we do. So on that note, have a good few last days of May speech and hearing month and stay tuned for more episodes. I almost forgot thank you to everybody who contributed. This episode would not have been possible without your stories, without you sharing, without letting us into your own world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope that you will be willing to share some more stories next year or even to spread the word so that we get even more stories. All
6: right, on that, (laughs) bye-bye.